Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. Welcome, everyone. So, yeah, we could go ahead and move into a nice, comfortable position for practice. Maybe as you settle in, just bringing to mind some gratitude for being here today for this opportunity. Taking refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha, these inner qualities. Remembering that when we close our eyes, we turn inward. We're asking quite a bit of ourselves. So we could really take refuge here. Take refuge in our inner goodness, our Buddha nature. Take refuge in truth, the Dharma. Take refuge the spiritual community, the Sangha. This taking refuge allows for the intention to be realized, your intention, motivation for practice. Next, just flavoring the heart, the mind, the body with some loving kindness. Remembering that loving kindness softens the mind. If the mind is agitated, 
and intentions of kindness will calm the mind down naturally. And then if the mind is dull, recalling loving kindness brightens the mind. even without a formal practice, just thinking of the words of loving kindness, compassion, just noticing how they sit with you. May I and all beings be well. May we be at ease. May we be at ease mentally, physically. emotionally and spiritually. And then minding the mind, taking some inventory. How is the mind? Is it agitated? Is it dull? 
Is it calm and alert? Just watching, staying curious. And then nothing to do here, just noticing. And maybe noticing that by noticing, the mind moves back towards balance. And balance is simple wakefulness. And then, of course, as you mind the mind, stay with non-judgmental, compassionate awareness. Taking thoughts, even as your support your anchor for the practice. And even inviting thoughts in as your support, but not following them, not intellectually investigating what you find, but simply experiencing them and experiencing the mind that notices them. Experiencing them arising, abiding, falling away, and the transitions between each stage And then you may notice the mind in movement. 
Lots of thoughts. It's completely okay. Again, they can become your anchor for your attention. No problem. And you may notice the mind in stillness. Moments free of thought. And this too is okay. It's no problem. And just staying with that which knows that the mind is in movement or the mind is in stillness. This noticer, this neutral observer. Simply resting here. And if you notice the energy waning, this vibrant mind of attention, just turn up the volume a bit on your curiosity. This magical mind just like if you were looking at a chair. Very carefully and understanding the nuances, the details. In the same way, minding the mind itself. Very, very curious. 
and open. Not attempting to analyze, but attempting to clearly see its happenings.
continuing to stay curious. Simply staying with what is as it is. Noticing the noticer, contents of awareness. And just simply experiencing the relationship between mind and what is arising in mind. What happens when something arrives in the mind? Noticing a push or a pull. Maybe a moving towards or away. Noticing maybe a shift in the energy in the mind. And all the while, bringing the mind back to simply showing up so we can continue to investigate and explore all experientially. Actually, no need for the intellect here. Just knowing through experience.
Hello, hello everyone. Good to see you. So, um, yeah, so today I wanted to chat a bit about stages of the path. And um, I tried to do this talk last October. I did a talk, I think, the similar title. And um, it ended up being a talk on how to kind of become a good student on the path. And um, and I think that's going to be kind of <laughs> more of the same in a way. I, I find it, it's, I really love this topic, like stages on the path, because... I hope that it brings, I wanted to bring some clarity. And, and the reason why I'm, I really like this topic is because um, being able to share the Dharma in quite a full-time capacity for quite a while, I've noticed that um, it is very difficult for people to stay on track. You know, just this kind of simple, kind of knowing where you are um, on the path and uh, knowing what you should be doing um, is actually quite difficult. And I think it's difficult for many different reasons. I think we're eclectic. We've talked talk about this a lot, like personally and in individuals, as individuals. Um, we're very eclectic in our practice. So it's not just um, being a part of one tradition and one path and very sincerely and it's kind of all laid out. It's just usually how, uh, usually we come to uh, the path from maybe different different paths, different spiritual teachings, different religions, so on and so forth. So we're kind of folding this into um, a more you know, holistic approach to maybe spirituality. And then we get into the obvious aspect that there are many different paths even within Let's say if we take take just Buddhism itself, there's many different uh, many different paths um, uh, within each tradition. So this becomes um, difficult um, as well. So it's more about how are we meeting all of this this knowledge and and all of these resources. How are we connecting to them and how are we using our own skillfulness and, and discernment so we know what we need, so we know what to ask for, or we know what to um, what to study next? So, in a very general sense, we should know we should know what we're what practices that we're actually doing. We should also know what um, just in generally, what are we focused on? This is just a good thing to contemplate. Like, do I know what I'm focused on in my practice right now? And kind of, uh, kind of uh, macro, micro, on a macro sense of this is generally what I'm working on. And then bringing this down to each individual session. You know, when we, when we have a meditation session, we should know begin before we start, what are we focusing on today? And then also, what are you focused on in your daily life? So we have obviously the meditation 
piece of the practice and then what am I doing when I'm not meditating piece of the practice. So in both of those um, categories, we should have a fairly clear understanding and it's of what, what we're up to. And, it, and very importantly, it's okay if you don't. You know, if you don't, that's okay too. That's part of the skillfulness is that, hey, I'm kind of off track here, but I know that I'm off track. So then we move towards more motivational practices, right? So if I'm off track, that means my motivation is not high. Um, because even if your motivation is high and you move off track, you get, your back, you get yourself back on track in some way. So even if this is the case, I'm kind of unclear right now what I'm up to, but I, but I know this, so I'm going to get back on track. And so to get back on track, you know, just, again, this is kind of stating fairly obvious things, but it could be, it could be through like listening to Dharma teachings. It could be reading something. It could be reaching out. It's just so underutilized, I think. Reach out to your teachers. I don't know any any teacher that's not going to help, you know, a student work with um, with their practices, you know, even in an informal way, just like, hey, what are you up to? Um, Hey, I don't know what to do next. If I ever find myself in a place of uncertainty, that's my first thing that I do. Just reach out to my teachers. Hey, what do you think I should be doing next? I'm at I'm at a plateau you know, in my, in my practice or something, my practice feels dry. A lot of times when we think, you know, we don't have a lot of motivation in our practice. We think, oh, it's just me. Um, I should, I should be able to have, you know, more commitment to the practice or more discipline. Um, these are actual factors that, uh, the, the path itself really assists with. There's actually tools for this and, and something that our teachers are really skilled at um at recognizing and and helping us through that right so reaching out and may be reaching out to to the sangha you know to spiritual friends and saying hey what what are you up to my practice is a bit dry right now right so get that motivation um so yeah that's just a little a little preface here I'm going to read a couple quotes that I have in my notes. Unfortunately, this first one I don't have the author. I don't know where this is from, unfortunately. The problem is that meditation is not like progressing through stage after stage after stage. Rather, meditation is more like the process of growing up and aging. Although you may celebrate your birthday on a particular day, that doesn't mean that when you blow your candle out at your party, you suddenly go from being two years old to being three. In growing up, there is a process of evolution, a process of development. This is precisely the issue as far as meditation practice is concerned. Meditation is not based on stages but it is a process that takes place within you. 
such a process takes place in accordance with your life situation. So, um, so yeah, when we're looking at this, when we're looking at different, you know, quote unquote stages, it's really an unfoldment, right? It's an, an unfoldment of development. But this doesn't necessarily help <laughs> when we're trying to lay out um, a, a process of actual practice. So how can we merge the two, kind of the wisdom of where we are and the wisdom of what we need? So we got to look at these different categories of practice. So um, I'm actually going to read one more, one, one more quote before we, before we get into some kind of framework that maybe we could, we could utilize. This is from Trigam Trumpa. The path does not really exist unless you are available. It is as if you are the road worker, the surveyor, and the traveler all at once. As you go along, the road gets built, the survey's done, and you become a traveler. I love that. It's like the road gets built as needed. <laughs> if you show up, then the next thing is there. The next thing is there and you, you find yourself traveling down, down the road, you know, because you're showing up and kind of building the road along the way. So I'm going to go over a, a teaching. You find this mostly in, in the Tibetan tradition. Um, it's called the five paths, the five paths. And I'm going to go ahead and put it in a chat box here. So this is the five paths, although they're not five paths. Um, they're actually, they're actually somewhat stages along one path, but they're not even that. <laughs> Cause I do, I do think, especially in the Dharma world, it's really impossible to have these concrete stages. And so what happens is they all blend together. But these are really important elements of the path that having mindfulness of these different elements really helps us with our own progression. Because our own progression is really a synergy between these different elements of what do we need right now. So. Each one of these elements can actually could be happening and probably will be happening simultaneously, right? But we need to have the skillfulness and the mindfulness and the discernment to know what do we really need in our practice the most and go out and get it and go out and practice it, okay? Also, I want to make a note, make note that there's only four of these. <laughs> there's a list of five. There's only actually four because the fifth one is enlightenment, the path to no more learning. This is like the awakened state. So there's actually only four, but since, uh, you know, the Buddhist path, we love lists. So we just add, add more stuff on stuff. The first stage or path or element is of accumulation, the path of accumulation. And this is exactly how it sounds. And this really is Definitely, if you're, if you're a newbie, you know, if you are just beginning, we all, we all do start here. And we continue throughout the life, pretty much, of our practice, which is the accumulation of, of knowledge. 
the accumulation of experience too, but we're accumulating, right? And again, this is a good place to start if you feel that you're, you're losing interest in the practice, right? And again, not just intellectual knowledge, but accumulating actual uh, experience. The practice, there's core practices for each one of these quote-unquote paths or stages. And there's lists within these lists. Um, so I'm not going to really, you know, go through them all. But for example, one of the core practices in the path of accumulation is the four foundations of mindfulness. So it's interesting, like we start here and it's actually the, there's actually three stages of this stage. This is the first stage. Um, is the four foundations of mindfulness, being mindfulness, mindful of body, mindful of feeling tones, mindful of mental formations, um, mindfulness of all phenomena, right, of all things. So we understand very quickly that the accumulation here is can be very profoundly experiential. But even to get to that, there is some accumulation of, of knowledge of like, why am I doing what I'm doing, right? Um, and, and all that. Just, just so you know, like, again, because you think, why don't we start with the Eightfold Path? Maybe that Eightfold Path is actually number four. I'll just tell you that right now. So, and again, this is why it's not exactly linear. <laughs> But these are really good elements to contemplate. The second one, this is the path of joining. This is also called the path of unification. And you'll see that we jump um, pretty quickly into some more profound aspects of the practice because this path of joining is joining relative and ultimate truth. And in a way, the goal of this, this path is realizing relative truth. And I really like this concept because a lot of times we, we think about realizing ultimate truth, like realizing nirvana, right? Re realizing, um, yeah, uh, true nature of mind. But actually, the beginning stages of the path is realizing relative truth, realizing the truth of the here and now. So those four foundations of mindfulness, as we practice them, we could actually begin to realize the truth of our own reality and, and our existence. So realizing relative truth, realizing the really basic nature of this world, of course, that things come and go, you know, realizing impermanence, but just realizing really, really simple, sim the, sim the simple factors of, uh, of life, the, the kind of building blocks of our existence, just by, just by paying attention, this relative, relative truth, this simple truth, the unification here is now blending the, this kind of newfound scene with ultimate truth. Um, and so, uh, so on a, in a relative truth way, just to take like one, one aspect that there is, there is change. So this is usually the, the most simple thing to, to kind of look at here is 
we recognize that there is change. This is profound. So the, rel the relative truth aspect that there is change. Now, because we have entered the path and we're meditating, we actually see for the very first time, not only is there change, but there is something within us that is not changing, right? This, so this awareness of this, this changing phenomena, the awareness is actually not changing. That which is aware of that, uh, the impermanent nature of phenomena is actually not changing. So we start to wake up that there's this, this backdrop, if you will, and we wake up to awareness. So there is this relative reality. Once we wake up to relative reality, we could start to understand um, the nature of ultimate reality. At least there's some context there, right? For the very first time, there's some context to, oh, there's, there is um, that which is known, like we did the meditation today with our thoughts. There's thoughts arising, and then there's a knower of those thoughts. And we could start just that very seed inkling going on the path to understanding self with a capital S, right? So what's showing up, right? So we have what is showing up, this, this consciousness, this I-ness, and then what it's looking at. And so kind of like the players are present, you know, in this, this game between relative and ultimate truth. In, in this stage, the players are present. We don't really maybe know, obviously at this stage, we don't really know uh, to what it, um, the true nature of, of self or this, the true nature of phenomena, but we're actually like in the game, right? So this unification of relative and ultimate truth. Let me see if my notes here, if I could just put, um, uh, it's going to put in the chat box. I don't really have any like little note on, here we go. The first one of accumulation. I don't know why I put two. I mean, I put one. That should be two. Okay, sorry. Two, it, the second one is the path of joining or unification, joining relative and ultimate truth. That's a, a little note on the second piece. And then the third one, the path of seeing. I'm going to put a little note in there. The path of seeing, you begin to see how the path operates and how it can be applicable to yourself. Um, the main practice here is the seven factors of awakening. Um, the mindfulness, investigation, you know, curiosity, investigation, curiosity, energy, this energy for the practice, joy, rapture, calm, tranquility, concentration, equanimity. So the, these, these positive factors of mind, you know, you remember those, I'm just saying. 
So this is like the main practice, the path of seeing. But basically, this is the past. This is just uh, building blocks on the second one, which is you're beginning to know the more leaning towards ultimate truth, the positive aspects of mind. Um, but it's very experiential now. It's very experiential. You've you've accumulated the knowledge that you need. You've accumulated that. There's also within these paths, which I don't have time to go over, but you have you have also worked a lot with diligence. You've worked with effort. You've worked with faith. You've worked with renunciation. So these types of things that are really clarifying to you that you're on the right track, you're kind of all in. And it takes a lot for the psyche to go all in. I think for, the, for a moment of meditation, to, for a moment of us stopping and turning inward, there's a lot of convincing the mind that this is what we're supposed to be doing, right? Because the carrot of samsara is so strong. To actually sit for half an hour, an hour, two, three hours, or go on retreat, it takes a lot of convincing, you know, the mind. So you're fully convinced at this point that this is a real source for continued happiness and contentment. And there's something here that's very real. And the convincing is not just intellectual, like I should be doing this. The real convincing is because of practice. So to reach this stage, you have tasted something. It could be like a few seconds. It could just be a few seconds. It could just be a feel-good attitude after you meditate. There is something that actually has benefited you in a real way. You've connected with it. Even, and I think it's so important to think that it's so important to remember because we often think about these epiphanies. The, the actual epiphany is that is the negation of the hindrances, right? The, the hindrances of, you know, attachment, aversion, worry, concern, um, laziness, uh, doubt. When, they, when these things are removed, which they're removed by the practice of meditation and they're removed by the practice of ethics and sila and these foundational aspects of the path they're removed by the brahma viharas the, the the aspects of the heart loving kindness and compassion when they are removed just that removal is the first embodies sense of relief from suffering so that's just that removal it's almost like a just like a relief you know, we could all experience this in different ways. So even before like this clear scene of the positive um, aspects of mind, just the, just the pure negation of this kind of more intense suffering, which could be intense, it could be subtle, but it's um, maybe not intense is the right word, but constant. You know, when we start op opening up to the beginning parts of the path, we start to have mindfulness of, the very subtle nature of suffering like for the longest time i couldn't even i i don't it didn't understand how kind of fantasy is suffering because i would love to you know meditate i close my eyes and then i would just visualize something that i liked like something you know some playful activity or something and i thought this is cool you know so I'm, I'm feeling good <laughs> you know not really seeing this as a form of of um, kind of craving 
because I couldn't see beyond it. I couldn't see the when when craving is gone. What does that feel like when when there's an absence of craving? So there's like this really deep, like in our bones and uh, level of contentment of like, oh, I'm not craving. You know, what happens when you actually get what you're, you're craving and there's that moment of just like, oh, this is, this feels so nice. But what if you give that gift to yourself, right? So clear seeing comes on the heels of this negation of the hindrances, of course, the, the positive factors of mind naturally present when the hindrances are gone, right? Just a moment of, of that. Those are automatically present. And so this is where the clear scene comes in, the path of clear scene. So the path of meditation is the Eightfold Path. It's um, so number four, the path to meditation is, is the Eightfold Path. Um, and again, it might, that's why it might feel like this is backwards, you know, <laughs> usually the Eightfold Path is taught first. Um, this is again, just kind of going back. It's all, it's all a rope. These, these threads all come together and they make something really strong. And of course, this path of meditation, the Eightfold Path, incorporates so much, right? It incorporates the wisdom aspects with the right view, right intention. It has the, the ethical aspects with right work, right, you know, right work, right livelihood, um, uh, right action, right speech, and then has the meditation aspects of right effort, right mindfulness, right concentration. So it has it has all these all these elements, and really this is an ongoing kind of layer. So all of those aspects continue to deepen with our practice, right? All of these things on the first time we practice, they're on one you know quote unquote level, but then as a as the um, the the path deepens so does our understanding of all of these elements and this is where we we where we uh excuse me where we see the kind of cyclical nature of all these elements so all these elements come together and they all work off of one another and they continue to deepen and to deepen and to deepen so kind of going back for a moment Um, so I just want to summarize for a second and just take a breath and um, thank you Don just Don just uh, posted an article for on the four foundations of mindfulness um, so just kind of going back to kind of presented these, these elements, 
in going back and just summarizing what I started off with, which is using our own discernment and our own wisdom to see what we need. In, in each of these categories are different aspects of, of what our practice might, um, yeah, might need it at, at any time. And also looking with skillfulness of, of setting like these, maybe like a plan of action <laughs> um, of what am I doing on the cushion and off the cushion. You know, I think about other projects that we plan. Um, you know, you can plan to start a business, you could plan a trip, you could, I don't know, there's all these different ways that we plan. But sometimes, and again, this is my experience within myself and working with other people, we actually don't plan out our meditation schedule or plan out our our meditation practice um, um, in, in general. So hopefully, hopefully this um, gives you a little bit more of a uh, some kind of structure, some kind of structure to see what elements you could draw out and you know and i i feel like i'm always uncertain <laughs> when i give these talks because yeah it's just i would really love it to be sequential and and by the way there is like the lam rem like in in tibetan buddhism lam rem and there is the gradual path so lam rem means gradual path stages of the path if you type in like Buddhism stages of the past, you'll, path, you'll see a lot of Lam Rem come up. And yet, that's, it's a huge, these teachings are massive, you know, and Lojong teachings too, um, which lay out some, some sequential aspects of the path. But I've never found one that is just like A to Z. Like, oh, you start here, and then you go here, and then you go here. They all start to overlap on top of one another, you know. Um, there's definitely movements in some directions like we talked about last time when I gave this talk in October that in a in a global sense we're moving from recognizing the true nature of things moving from the more tangible to the more subtle this is where we're headed if we're always wondering where are we headed on the path as far as the teachings go they show us how to see the true nature of phenomena from the more solid things that's why we start out with mindfulness of body or mindfulness of of like inanimate objects and a lot of practices and then we go to things that are subtle like feeling tones that are more subtle and then of course um, uh, formations like thought formations and then the most subtle thing which is awareness right and we're using all of the tools that we have learned along the way to steady the mind long enough so it could be focused and have some concentration elements to it and then it could extract the insights the vipassana from each of those categories right so that's like the linear structure of the meditations that we find um, but then what are we doing outside of the actual practice to support that mind there's so many factors that are interrelated and are going on simultaneously. The key is, is always comes back to mindfulness. It's the rudder in the water 
if we're mindful of body, mindful of feeling tones, mindful of thoughts, we're going to be mindful of what we need. Which I just, I know I've said a million times, but this is so important for that self-awareness. Because we can't even ask for help if we don't know what we need. Or, or just not even ask for help, but go ahead and, and look into our own resources that we already have, right? And, um, and make a plan from there. So um, I'll have us break up into, into groups and maybe talk a little bit about things that help you with structure. And, and of course, too, I want to definitely make sure um, if you don't have structure, that's totally fine. I don't mean to sit here and say, you know, you're bad <laughs> if you don't have structure. Believe me, I've, I've gone so long without structure. That's why it's a big topic for me and wanting to provide structure. So it's totally fine if you don't. And it's good to wake up to that, like I mentioned, so we can provide more structure for our practice. But what what gives you more structure? Uh, what provides you with the assistance that you need? So maybe we could do some collective shared wisdom around uh, what helps you with structure in your own practice. Hey there, welcome back. Welcome back. All right. We have about 10 minutes left. If um, does anyone would like to share what came up for them in the group discussion? Well, I uh, just want to make a comment that um, we're so similar. I felt such similarity and such connection. We're all just, you know, working it. And, uh, you know, we have different ways of working it, but we're all working it. And uh, it's internal and it's precious. Mm. Thank you. I agree. <laughs> Perfectly okay to start again and start again. Beginner's mind. Mm -hmm. That's all. Thank you. Yeah, without judgment. <laughs> so true. Sorry, I couldn't find the unmute button there. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Uh, I was just reflecting that, uh, you know, sort of my daily practice has changed. There have been different things that have been sort of sustaining at different points in time. You know, I was reflecting back that more than a year after I did a retreat with Sylvia Bornstein, Meta was it. That was the whole practice. <laughs> Every time I sat, no matter what it was, that's all I did for a long time. And then that, you know, it's, it's, you know, dry. It feels bad to say Meta became dry, but sort of, it sort of <laughs> run its course. It just began to felt rote. And, you know, what's been staying me for the last couple of years, you know, is, um, you know, I think it's Satna, which you, which you sort of helped us put together Casey, which is, you know, uh, it's starting with intention, you know, gratitude to the teachers and the lineages, um, you know, taking refuge in the, the triple gem, uh, remembering motivations for practice, and then still doing a little, a little hit of metta just to try to soften the heart before, you know, watching breath or watching mind or whatever it is. And that's been pretty consistent for the last several years and feels like, 
it keep it feels like it keeps me from getting lost or being unsure what to do because that sort of warm up you know grounds mm-hmm. me in a lot of the good stuff which is just kept going and so no matter what else happens that feels like it's been a good place reliable place to come back to every time I try and sit on the pillow as are you know as is this group and its teachers so you know thank you for that this has been a big rock for yeah. you know a big foundation of my practice for a long time so anyway thanks for the reminder thanks for the teaching thanks to the sangha thank you thank you so much i'd just like to say once again uh, amazing talk yeah. and I really appreciate you and your teaching you're too kind thank you so just to piggyback off of what mark said and then also connecting to the the discussion that we had in our group is that in our group we kind of all felt like we didn't know what we were doing <laughs> um and then i was thinking about um i remember the day that you talked about developing a sadhana that mark's talking about mm-hmm. and i feel like those things sort of just kind of come in I think it's really not helpful for me to start with like a do this, do this, do this, do this. Like it's like floating around and it like wafts in, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, oh, meta, yeah. Um, and intention, my teachers, gratitude. Like it just kind of, if I let go a little bit, it, it's more helpful for me because um, it doesn't feel forced and it, and it does keep it not dry. It keeps it more alive for me. Wonderful. Thank you. And I was trying to find the sadhana document, but I didn't find it. <laughs> but I, I could share it on Facebook or in the newsletter. Just a simple outline, meditation outline there. Um, before I forget, and uh, we do have time for maybe what one more. But um, Wendy, Wendy, Wendy wanted uh, me to remind everyone. Um, so we have that's the 7 a.m. sits. We have the 7 p.m. sits. And I believe we're going a little longer too on Thursday nights um, for the, um, on, the, on, on the sits on Thursday nights uh, for people who want to sit longer. And then um, we do have an emptiness course in the works. So that'll be this week. We'll get you the dates and, and whatnot. So Wendy and I will be teaching, teaching. I think the first time we've ever taught a course on emptiness. So it'll be from like the Theravada and the Tibetan. Um, so yeah, we're really excited for that. Uh, yeah, so we'll have some dates really soon on, on that. Yeah. Can I mention men's group on Monday night? Oh yeah, thank you. Yeah. You want to mention more? Uh, of it or... Yeah, no, sure. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, uh, it's in the newsletter. Um, there's a there's a Zoom link. Uh, I think we start at seven p.m. Uh, we go for an hour and a half. We usually have a thirty minute sit and uh, a check in, kind of a voluntary check in. Sometimes sometimes a topic to stimulate conversation. Um, but uh, been able to attend most of them. Feels very very supportive. All right, so let's um, let's dedicate the merit. So this is um, at the end end of the sadhana. We dedicate the merit. Begin with intention. 
ending with dedicating and sharing the merit. It all comes back to the heart. We end here in the heart where we're dedicating the merit. Of course, we're dedicating the merit to the fruition of our intentions, our global intention for the practice or any intentions that we made at the beginning of our practice. And just reaching into a sincere heart and wish the, for the fruition of this intention. And hopefully it was an altruistic one, an altruistic intention, including all beings, including others. And then, and then the second aspect is sharing the merit. And we're sharing it with all beings. May their intentions and motivations that are wholesome, may they come true. And so really doing this now for a few moments, inviting in to our circle, all of the beings that could not be here, cannot turn inward. All those beings that do not have their resources, time resources, external resources, motivation resources, to really tap into something within themselves that's sustainable and reliable and have that nurturing environment to really allow for the unfoldment of that process that wisdom to arise, that clear scene. We ask that any and all of the positivity that we've experienced together today, that they too share in that merit, which is purifying all of our hearts and minds so that we could all see clearly together the true nature of goodness in each and every one of us, may all beings without exception, including ourselves, may we all be happy, truly, truly happy and free from suffering. Just listen to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.